Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. Good morning, friends. Are you ready for just a little... A little trivia about Cincinnati. I've got, I've, got some, I've got some oldest spaces to share with us today. Last year in Cincinnati Magazine, they pointed out five of the oldest spots in the city. So first of all, we have the oldest library. And it is the Mercantile Library, one of the last remaining of its kind where it is a members-only institution. We have a very glamorous member here in the congregation. My husband Steve got a membership as a Christmas gift last year, so you can ask him all about it. This beautiful views. He, he said I could actually come visit. I haven't seen it inside of it yet, but they have more than 80,000 books in this collection downtown. The oldest restaurant. Has anyone ever eaten at Mecklenburg Gardens? Anyone? Anyone? Got a few? Okay, it is the, it is, it says it was a prohibition era speakeasy for number one. It is the landmark of German heritage, and they have Bavarian food, and the, all that greenery you see up there is, there is an outdoor garden that a lot of people like to sit in. So since 1865, it's been operating. The oldest store in the city is Bromwell's, a fireplace retailer. And again, we have a connection. We have a fireplace insert from Bromwell's ourselves. But it says 200 years, over 200 years later, it's been in the same place downtown, and it has a 10,000 square foot showroom. And it's been in that same place since it opened. We have the oldest bar, Arnold's, and it says they have legends of ghosts and mob connections. And either way, why people are drawn there, they just said perhaps. It's just a beloved, beloved regular crowd. And finally, the oldest house. The oldest brick house is called the Betts House. No one has lived in it for a while. It is now a museum, but the oldest brick home in Ohio, built in 1804. And you can take tours there, and you can see what life was like in the time of the historic district was built. So there's something special. We, we look at oldest things or, you know, it's got this word. It's like it remains, right? And of all the things that happen, all the things that go on in the world, we have businesses that still remain here or homes that remain standing throughout trials and weathers and recession. And there's all kinds of challenges that things can bring. But something special comes on our radar with longevity, things that last over the long haul. But I think also We would say that people in our lives, when they've been with us a long time, when they remain, they hold a special place in our heart. And I'm sure you can think of people in your life who have known you since you were a kid, and they remain in your life and as your friend. Or maybe you can think of someone who remained a stronghold, a support, an encourager through a time of trial that you faced. There's people who matter to us because they have remained. And sometimes we don't think of that as an important quality, and yet it's hard to do. It's hard to stick with people. It's hard to like people over the long haul. 
to remain in good times and bad and think times when we feel awkward, times we don't know what to do. But that is a quality we're going to read about in Scripture today, that remaining. What does it mean to remain in a community or to remain in our faith? We are finishing up our series called Hope and Light this week. We have been looking at two different letters written by disciples of Jesus. These were people who spent time with Jesus for years, who learned directly from him how to live like God. What does it mean to be God's light? What does it mean to bring hope to the world that they lived in? And so 1 Peter and 1 John have been the two books we've looked at, and they were actually letters written to specific people saying, you hold on to your faith. And so we have been looking um, at 1 John, and this will be our last time in the book today. And John, as we talked last week, was speaking to a church that was going through some pain. They had division in their own church family. These churches gathered often in homes, and so there's a very tight-knit feeling. Like we might feel here at Echo Church, we know one another, we look around and we see familiar faces. And so this church experienced a time when people among them not only struggled with the beliefs that they had in Jesus, but they started to disagree with one another and come to the point where they were trying to pull others away from the faith also. And finally, it seems that the people who no longer believed eventually just left. So there's a wound, right? There's a gaping hole where people once filled in this church community. And last week, we talked about God bringing the church together as a family. And so you can imagine the pain that that must have felt to think of fellow family members no longer part of your community, to know that there was a barrier, that there was discord, that there were words said, lies spoken. So John is writing to a church that has experienced all this pain, and now they've been sitting there thinking, what's next? What do we really believe? And John is just trying to remind them. So we've said that every week we look at the way that he approached this church was to say orthodoxy and orthopraxy are two big words we've talked about this series. Just reminding them, here's what you believe. People have said a lot of things about Jesus. They've tried to put lies in your head and you've remembered what you've learned from the first, so we're just going to remember all together. This is who Jesus is. This is what you believe. Remember, let's remember that together. And then orthopraxy, here's how we're going to live it out. So, so far, we've talked about light. We've talked about that God is light. So live in the light, he said. John also wrote to them, God is righteous. So therefore, just do what's right. Jesus is the model for us. Then we talked about how Jesus demonstrated God's love for us. Therefore, we love one another. And we demonstrate God to the world. And then last week, we said that if God has chosen us as family, then we stick together as family members in this community. So now we get to our final theme in this letter, remain in your faith. Let's look at 1 John chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 6. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, 
the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So let's look at this combination of words here. He talks about three that testify. So in the Jewish times, the way that Jesus would have grown up, the way that these apostles would have grown up, was that if they're, if you wanted to be a credible source in like a trial or any situation, they would want at least two witnesses, possibly three. You corroborate the story, and you, you declare, this is the thing that happened. So they always wanted to have several witnesses. So John is saying, here are witnesses for your faith. I'm trying to give you these, these people speaking testimony. They're actually people and things. The Spirit, we know, is God's Holy Spirit among the people living and active in our lives today. And then we have mention of water and blood. And it could mean several things. Water and blood could reference that Jesus was indeed human because that was one of the controversies at the time was, okay, if Jesus was God, then was he really actually human? So water and blood could, could talk about his humanity there, and that's a good reaffirmation of their faith. Or water and blood has been said to have flowed out from Jesus when he died on the cross, and that is also referencing his death. Or the water could have been Jesus' baptism. And when we know believers are called to imitate that and be baptized and receive that gift of the Holy Spirit. And so John's reference here is their pieces of our faith, calling out, speaking on behalf of who Jesus was. In any case, John sneaks in a fourth secret witness. He says there's three, but then he just brings up God, the Father himself. He says God speaks out. In testimony to say Jesus was his son, was the redeemer for our sin. Because it's probably the people who were among them who left their church fellowship, they might have said, well, I believe in God, but I don't know about Jesus. So John is putting it together for the people that remain to say, if you believe in Jesus, you believe in God. And if you trust in God, you will believe his words that he sent Jesus as Messiah as Savior. And so John is trying to help the people that remain pieced together. You've heard all of the clatter. Let's come back in to the truth. And he steps them through these witnesses. Let's keep reading verse 13. I write these things to you in the name of the Son of God, so that you may believe, that you may know and have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us, whatever we ask. We also know that we will have what we asked of him. If you see a brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I am not saying that you should pray about that. 
All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. Okay, this is an interesting conversation. But John is, he's starting with very encouraging hope. That if you pray, God actually hears. And sometimes we just need that basic reminder that speaking words to the heavens, that someone hears us. It's very encouraging. And he also says that that's a very healthy habit to add to your life. If you're trying to live in the light as God is light, if you're trying to live righteously as God is righteous, then you can go in prayer. But verses 14 and 15 about praying and whatever you ask that God's hearing and answering, it's connected to verses 16 and 17 where he's like, pray about other people. Not just what's going on in your life, but look up, look out, notice the needs around you. We spoke of this last week when John says, if you see a brother and sister in need, go help them. And here he's saying, on a spiritual level, if you look around and see a brother and sister who is struggling with sin, go to them, pray for them, be with them, be present. And that takes action on our part because it takes effort to stop what we're doing. There's a lot going on in our lives. There's always things going on in my brain. Always. A constant run of things. Things to do, things that I'm worried about, things that I have to prepare for. So it takes effort to stop and look around and notice other people's needs. And so John has reminded, he's like, I've asked you to do this for physical needs that you can see, but notice people, have relationships with people, and then you can discover if they've got a spiritual struggle. Sometimes that takes an extra level of noticing. It's not always on the surface, is it? If someone is struggling spiritually, we can't always see it. But sometimes we can. And as we said, part of loving one another is that if we notice something and we see that something, someone's not acting like themselves. Someone seems to be on a path that's headed another direction, away from the church community or away from love and the body of believers, maybe away from Jesus. And so our job as the church family is to step toward them to talk to them about it, to bring it to their attention. Sometimes things are going on with ourselves and we may not even notice how we're behaving or where we're headed. And John's words here is that people are involved and do things. Don't write them off. Because what one commentator was saying here, it's like we read this and think, oh, there's a sin that leads to death. What is that? Let's focus on that. Where it looks like John kept saying, there's sin that doesn't lead to death. And I think the believers here, they just had this mindset where it's like, well, we have already been burned. And the people that left us, that felt very hateful. But John's like, those of you who remain, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to sin. And that doesn't lead to death. There is hope. So pray for each other. Help each other through. And then when you're struggling, someone will come alongside you. So his was positive in saying, not all sin is just automatically writing people off. It's like Jesus came to redeem sin, redeem us from sin, and so let's pray for each other. Get God involved. We don't have to fix it on our own. But prayer connects us to Jesus and connects us to each other. So he's like, go before God in prayer. 
step alongside one another. Let's keep reading in verse 18. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God, Jesus, keeps them safe. The evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We also know that the Son of God has come, has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true. We are in him who is true by being with Jesus, his Son. Jesus is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourself from idols. So here at the end, this is the end of the book, the end of his letter. And just the same as we began in chapter 1, John reminds us that we're believing in Jesus, we're not continuing to sin, which he's saying, not saying we're going to be perfect, but it's like sin no longer is our defining quality of life. Like our goal is that light and that righteousness. And so when we stumble, we can pray, we can go to Jesus. But he's like, our whole trajectory of life now is in Jesus and away from sin. It's on a new path. And it's just interesting. He's like, keep yourself from idols. And then end. It's like a very abrupt ending to the letter. You know, our staff was joking around this week. We're like, did he run out of paper? Parchment was very expensive back in the day. And he's like, well, don't have any more room. I'll sign off later. But he has no eloquent introduction that some of these letters in the New Testament have. He just doesn't sign his name at the end. He's just like, okay, these are the words. I'm going to fill all the page with all the words that I need to tell you. So because this is a little abrupt here, and because John is very circular with his themes throughout the scripture, I actually want us to not end here in chapter 5, but to swing back to chapter 2. Because John gives us some additional hope about this faith and about remaining, remaining in the community, remaining in Jesus. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 24, As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he has promised us, eternal life. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. You don't need anyone to teach you, but his anointing teaches you about all things. And that anointing is real, not counterfeit. Just as it's taught you, remain in him. Why do people, why did people back then struggle to believe who Jesus was? Why do people struggle today? Oftentimes, doubt begins with pain. We might have experienced this, or we know dear loved ones who have experienced questions. Because as soon as it starts to hurt, or we see people we love who are hurting and suffering, and then we start to ask, why? And that can lead us on a deeper relationship with Jesus, and to give him our pain, and to know that he experienced pain. Or if we're isolated, it can head us off away from faith altogether. And so I think John was approaching this church that was at a turning point. Were they going to go deeper toward Jesus? Were they going to head away and no longer be a church community at all? 
this could have been a, a moment. And John's trying to come alongside them and say, remain. Like, like, he's saying what he sees in them. He's looking at this church and is like, I see what's been in you from the beginning. So just remain in it. You've got it. I see the faith that you have, even if you can't see it for yourselves. And I think sometimes we need people to say that to us. John didn't come about this on his own. He witnessed Jesus firsthand. Look at people who were struggling with faith and lean in. My favorite, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, it's when a father who had a son who had been in pain for years, and he just came to Jesus, and he wanted Jesus to heal his son. And he's like, if you can, and Jesus is like, if I can. And the father just says, I do believe in you. Help my unbelief. What a prayer. What honesty. And that's, that's a prayer that I've prayed before. And I probably will pray again. To go to God and say, I do believe, yet help my unbelief. There's always a little bit in there. And so John watched Jesus minister to a man to look and acknowledge his pain, acknowledge the suffering, and then see the faith that remained. And he healed the boy. And I am sure the father experienced healing as well. So when John saw Jesus do that, that's the love and the, that pastoral approach in his heart to come into this church and just say, allow the truth to remain in you. I see it there. Just allow it to, to remain. And then John also says, allow yourself to remain in Jesus. It's like that's going to take your choice. But he had hope that they would choose to remain. I think many of us here, maybe we've had faith in our lives for years. And some seasons that may have been easy to access. Maybe your faith has gone through a time and maybe it is right now where it's just flourishing. But maybe you've experienced seasons where there just feels a lot more questions than answers and your faith maybe doesn't feel as strong. Whatever we're going through, just asking if we would remain together. We talked last week that as a church family, our goal is to stick together. And that happens spiritually too. Not just physically here, but just to remain together. We can lean on one another. Hopefully there's times where if you're feeling weak, someone else comes alongside you and feels strong. So when we go through questions, to anyone that feels weary right now, I just want to challenge you with this. Remain. Remain in community. Because commu being isolated makes it even lonelier, makes it feel bigger. But when we have community around us, we show God to one another. We live out Jesus' love can give us strength to keep going. If you feel like you don't know what to pray, allow someone to sit beside you and just go to Jesus with 
I believe, but help my unbelief. And if those of us who are feeling strong in our faith and we're, on a, we're in a great season, then let's just look around and notice someone who could use our strength. Pray for them as John called the church to pray. But also just be present. It might seem intimidating and you see someone in need and you think, I don't have the answers, therefore I will stay back. Don't listen to that hesitation. Step toward. You don't have to have the answers. And I know if you've experienced pain, sometimes you don't even remember what someone said to you, but you remember that they were there. You remember the face that sat beside you and remained in your pain with you. Let's look around and go to people and be that presence. That is what it means to remain to remain in community, in relationship, in Jesus, together. John says, what you heard from the beginning remains in you. Just hold on, he encouraged. Just, just remain. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that you demonstrated through Jesus interacting with others, through the way Jesus' disciples then encouraged and ministered to churches. That they were able to go through heartache and they were able to go through victories together and thank you for showing us how to live that out. God, it takes, it takes strength and it, to remain someplace. It takes strength to, to remain and not feel awkward or to move past that awkwardness and be present anyway, and we ask for your strength, God. Open our eyes to the needs around us and give us the strength to show up, to show your love to one another here and as we go out from here to our communities, to our neighbors, to our coworkers. Help us show your love. We thank you Jesus, for being love on this earth, for being God on this earth, and for coming for us. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.